This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, March 16th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Do we really spend more and get less for our military? At today's Cato Policy Forum on the Pentagon budget, Cato Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies Chris Preble said many of the problems of Pentagon spending have to do with delaying inevitable difficult choices about America's security priorities. First of all, we are spending a lot on our military, um, and I think we will spend a lot over the next decade, regardless of what happens, based on what Todd just said. Um, second, we are, or we appear to be, getting less for what we spend, um, which is why a number of people think we should spend more. And third, I think that reasonable efforts to bring this under control, to get more bang for the buck, are unlikely to succeed for all the reasons people said. It's going to be hard, uh, but it'll be harder still if the budget increases significantly. I think there's a better chance for reform under the current caps or some constrained uh, as opposed to increases. So point one, military spending in inflation-adjusted terms is still quite high in historic terms. Uh, If you take out the cost of the wars, uh, you look just at the Pentagon budget, we're going to spend on average, in the next five years, more than we spent during the Cold War in inflation-adjusted terms. No one really disputes that. Now, a number of people say, in fair, fairly, that that statistic, absolute spending, inflation-adjusted spending, is not the best measure, not the best metric. Instead, you should look at defense spending as a share of GDP or defense spending as a share of total federal spending. And in that sense, it's true. Defense spending as a share of GDP has come down for decades, actually. And defense spending as a share of federal spending has been declining since about 2008. And probably sometime in the middle of the next decade, 2024, 2025, based on current projections, defense spending will actually be less than we pay on interest on the debt. Okay, So so what we're spending as a share of total federal spending is declining. Um, It's interesting, when you ask the public, when you poll on this question, it's been asked by Gallup going back to the early 1970s, people, you ask them, do you think we're spending too much, too literal, or about the right amount? Um, it's about evenly divided, three ways. About one-third of Americans think we spend too little, one-third we, we think we spend too much, and about a third think we're spending about the right amount. Okay, so we're at, an, we're at a unique point, and these numbers do change. It's one of those polls that actually does vary quite a bit over time. Um, clearly, the, those in the spending too little camp, that includes Senators McCain and, and Representative Thornberry, the chairman uh, of the respective committees in the House and Senate Armed Services Committee. Um, they think we should be spending more. There was an article, they wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal last week mentioning that uh, President Obama's request is about $36 billion over the caps, and they want to spend uh, roughly $78 billion more than the caps, or, or a little bit more than twice as much as uh, President Obama. Uh, and the argument is that, you know, they, that the, the, the Republicans can't be taken seriously on defense if they're not going to spend at least as much as President Obama on defense. Now, they think that we're not spending enough because the military is too small. Um, and, well, it is. It's too small, of course, as a relative sense, but the military is smaller. Again, no one disputes that. Um, I actually, I looked this up today. I was reasonably confident, but I actually looked it up today. 1952, the height of the Korean War, active duty end strength peaked at 3.6 million. Active duty, 3.6 million. During the Vietnam War, peaked at 3.5 million in 68. Okay, so in the previous two wars, peaked at 3.6, In the latest round of wars, 2010, it peaked at 1.5 million. Again, this is active duty. This doesn't include Guard and Reserve. 
So less than half the total in uniform, and yet Pentagon spending and inflation-adjusted dollars was higher in 2010 than in either 1952 or 1968, 35% and 32% higher respectively. Okay? So just using that, and I think a similar story could be told with respect to the Navy or to, to airplanes, right? on the surface, it appears that we're spending more and getting less, or as spending as much as and getting less. Well, do we? Do we spend more and get less? Um, and Dove already alluded to this indirectly. I mean, the military of my parents' generation was comprised primarily of conscripts, right? We had a Selective Service Act. People were obligated by law to serve, men, okay, to be precise. And often, not always, but often against their will, that wouldn't have been their first choice, let's put it that way, okay? It was just what they had to do, okay? And they were relatively poorly paid relative to their peers, and they received minimal training because, after all, it would be foolish to invest a lot of money and time in people who you didn't expect to retain. So they weren't very well trained, and they weren't very well paid. And, again, they executed their missions heroically under harsh conditions, but they were, by and large, temporary soldiers anxious to return to their lives when either the war was over or their obligated term of service was up. Military today, with no disrespect at all to that of the World War II or, or Korea or Vietnam generation, is completely different, and I think the finest force in the world, in our history. Um, because why? Well, it's comprised of people who serve by choice, first and foremost. Um, because they make this choice, we as taxpayers pay them reasonably well, especially compared to their peers, okay? Um, and especially, and Dove again alluded to this, especially when you convince them or you get them to look at the entire package of benefits, not just their salary, not just the, but their entire package of benefits. It's a pretty good deal, okay? Um, and also there's training. They get training that is, that is of value to them. Um, and so again, we're willing to invest in training because we're confident that some number of them are actually going to stay in. They actually, that this dividend, that this investment will actually pay off. So my point is we spend a lot, but I'm not entirely convinced that we're getting less. In fact, I think in some places we're getting more, and I think it's a debatable point, one worth debating, and I suspect we will, but I think I could make a similar argument with respect to ships and respect to, respect to, uh, to aircraft as well. Okay? But again, a debatable point. We're spending more, not in dispute. Why are we spending more? That's really what we're talking about today. Um, now, myself and others here, we, um, we believe we're spending more in part because it's not well allocated. Okay, and actually credit, especially credit to Mackenzie and Todd, we all sign, not Kate, because she was exempted, <laughs> but Todd and Mackenzie and Dove and I, along with about 20 other people, signed this letter from three years ago, two years ago, yeah, two years ago, again, I'm losing track of time, two years ago, calling on DOD, DOD to close excess bases and facilities, re-examine the size and structure of the DOD civilian workforce, and reform military compensation. Three things we talked about today, and the fourth being acquisition reform. Um, and I think this is still a useful document, okay? Um, no one disputes that there's some waste in the Pentagon. It's how you get at it. And again, this is where I think there may be some differences of opinion because McCain and Thornberry in their op-ed that I mentioned, they admit there's waste in the Pentagon, um, but they say sequestration does not target waste. It cuts spending recklessly. Well, yes, but they do not say that if the Pentagon, if Congress, budgeted to the spending caps, 
then sequestration doesn't come into effect. So they could budget in accordance with the caps and not be subjected to the goofy meat axe. This is what Leon Panetta called it, the goofy meat axe. So if they had submitted a budget that adhered to these limits, they could make conscious, wise choices to try to better allocate the resources, whether or not they will or not. We don't know. It's a pretty basic human instinct to avoid difficult choices. Um, if something can be postponed, it will be. Uh, that's why we haven't dealt with other big problems like the entitlement problems that we have in this country. Um, but I think that our government uh, has chosen not to do these things that we all agree are, are, make sense, in part because they don't feel like they have to, right? That they're not really being held to their, their feet to the fire. And I think they are less likely uh, to make those changes, difficult changes, if the BCA caps are raised or eliminated entirely. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.